0: Hello and welcome to the reading of the business record for July 3rd. I'm your reader, Al Burns. Fundraising for Mercy One Deming Cancer Center to resume in July. Within two weeks of Mercy One Central Iowa launching the public phase of a $16 million fundraising campaign for the Mercy One Richard Demer Cancer Society, the COVID-19 pandemic has dramatically shifted everyone's focus and capital campaign was put on hold. However, the Cancer Center's mission and the need for the campaign will soon become more important than ever, with an anticipated surge in cancer diagnoses as delayed screenings resume, says Shannon Cofield, President of the Mercy One Foundation. The foundation is now aiming to resume the fundraising campaign, which received more than ten million during its silent phase before March next month. Because elective procedures were prohibited, The Medical Center's major focus became treating patients diagnosed with COVID-19 and the Mercy One Foundation became the epicenter of supporting frontline healthcare workers, Cofield said. We were arranging for meal deliveries, accepting restaurant gift cards, hand-sewn masks, and snacks to provide relief to our colleagues thanks to the outpouring of community generosity. In all, the Foundation served over 4,000 meals, distributed more than 2,000 hand-sewn masks, and provided free snack stations every day for two months. Now the timing to restart the Cancer Center fundraising campaign is urgent, Cofield said, because there will be likely be a post-pandemic surge in cancer diagnosis expected, expected due to delayed screenings. The need to complete the campaign to construct the multidisciplinary, patient-centered care cancer center and to offer compassionate care programs will be highly needed. Patients diagnosed with cancer are immune-compromised and it is important that we have state-of-the-art care to treat them with the best treatments available. The Foundation will adapt to potential donors' needs by offering virtual tours of the new space rather than inviting people for in-person tours. Also, the Foundation has expanded the campaign committee in an effort to widen the circle of possible donors. The Foundation plans to promote the new CyberKnife S7 system that was recently unveiled as the innovative cornerstone of the campaign. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it has taught us much, that it is none of us can take our own health for granted or that our family, friends, neighbors, or community. We believe this pandemic has brought public awareness to the importance of high quality health care. We are hopeful as people consider their philanthropic priorities going forward, investing in a transformational health care project will be at the top of mind to ensure those most vulnerable upon among us are afforded the best care available right here in Central Iowa. Bank of America sharpens focus with $1 billion commitment to communities. Bank of America says it is doubling down on its efforts to help drive economic opportunity, Healthcare initiatives, and racial equality efforts in Iowa and nationally as part of a four-year, $1 billion commitment the Global Bank recently made to support local communities. Bank of America recognizes that the private sector can play a pivotal role in helping our communities, and we are committed to doing more to improve economic opportunity and racial equality across Iowa, said Heidi Parkhurst, Iowa Market President for Bank of America. We will continue to focus on the ultimate goal of creating lasting change in every Iowa community. The $1 billion initiative, quote, builds on economic mobility and workforce development programs. Bank of America already supports local markets, but will support, will sharpen the focus of that work, accelerate the resources, and add a particular emphasis on health services during the pandemic, unquote, the bank said. In Iowa, Bank of America has already deployed $220,000 to eight local organizations across the state as communities faced unprecedented challenges from the coronavirus. Additional projects may include support to minority-owned small businesses, including clients and vendors, career reskilling or upskilling through the partnerships with high schools and community college. Colleges, and operating support and investment for affordable housing and neighborhood revitalization. ISU Economist foresees reduced demand for durable goods made in Iowa. Initial unemployment claims by Iowa manufacturing employees, which peaked at nearly 16,000 in late March, have tapered somewhat but still remain the highest among all of Iowa's industry sectors. For the week ending June 6th, initial claims in manufacturing still topped all other sectors, accounting for 2,080 claims filed, more than double the next highest category, health care. In May, the state's unemployment fund paid out $42.3 million in claims to unemployed manufacturing workers, or nearly 20% of the more than $219 million in total unemployment claims paid out last month. Of concern to me right now are the consequences for Iowa's manufacturing, Dave Swenson, an associate scientist with Iowa State University's Department of Economics, told the business record recently. While non-durables food processing has gotten the bulk of the coverage, manufacturing initial claims have been quite high for several weeks, he said. There are substantial contractions in output in most of the major industrialized nations, including China, the European Union, and Britain, as well as in the United States. Swenton expects substantial reduction in demand for many durable goods produced in Iowa. Slowdowns in durable goods have strong multiplier effects to other regional suppliers of goods and services and inevitably lead to higher and more sustained unemployment, he said. Regional and national indexes for manufacturing are strongly in contraction mode. That's not been talked about much but it is a better indicator of the pace and recovery and pattern of recovery for a state like Iowa. When covering the news becomes newsworthy, the 2020 Excellence Awards. When Business Publications Corporation founder Connie Weimer launched our company over 37 years ago, one of her guiding principles was to do more than report relevant and timely news by committing to supporting our community. Since that time, our flagship product, The Business Record, has grown and expanded from a faxed business newsletter to a robust business journal that reaches a variety of audiences across multiple brands and platforms, and and which last week was recognized once again with several prestigious awards by our industry peers. Congratulations to the entire, entire Business Record team, and thanks to you, our readers, for your continued support and feedback as we continue to innovate and evolve during unprecedented times. While we do not produce products in order to receive awards, it is always gratifying to be recognized for excellence by one's peers, especially when they include leading business publications in the United States, Canada, and Australia. At the Alliance of Area Business Publishers Annual Awards last week, Business Record was honored to receive awards in three categories, Best Specialty e-newsletter for commercial real estate, weekly best use of multimedia for our photo to issue website and best daily email for the daily. Ben Godar, board president, Des Moines Film Society. Early in his career Ben Godar was a journalist working for a community edition of the Los Angeles Times. During the day he wrote stories out of Burbank and Glendale and in the evening he pursued a passion for screenwriting. I quickly found that writing in the day and writing at night was not going to work out, said Godard, board president of the Des Moines Film Society, which plans to buy the now-closed Varsity Theater at 1207 25th Street. Godard left journalism and began concentrating on screenwriting while also attending graduate-level courses and teaching college writing and film classes. While he said he is proud of his screenwriting work, It really wasn't finding its way out into the real world, so when Gadar and wife Nara Hyman Goddard, an architect, returned to Iowa, he began looking for activities related to films in which to get involved. In 2015, Goddard and a friend started the Des Moines Film Society, a non profit organization focused on bringing high quality films to the metro area and providing film related education programs and filmmaker support services. The group announced in May plans to buy the varsity and reopen it and, re- and renovate it in late 2021 as a first run cinema that will show artistic, foreign made, and specialty films. The Varsity, which closed on December 30, 2018, is described as the Des Moines area's oldest single-screen, independently owned movie house. The group was successful in its efforts to have the City of Des Moines designate the Varsity as a landmark, a move that will help in obtaining historic preservation tax credits. Plans for the building include enlarging and modernizing the lobby and concession areas and adding a micro-cinema to the second floor. Renovations will also include adding an elevator and accessible restrooms. The Des Moines Film Society offices will be housed in the building when the innovations are completed. We are really intent on preserving the Varsity's function as a cinema, serving the community as it has for 80 years, Gudar told a city board. "Told the City Board recently. We recently caught up with Gudar. How did you get involved with the Des Moines Film Society? After we moved to Des Moines from Los Angeles, I was looking for a little bit of refocus in terms of what I was doing and specifically something a bit more connected to the Des Mo- to Des Moines. This was right around the same time that my friend Andy Brody, he co-founded Film Scene in Iowa City, approached me and said he thought it would be cool to do something similar in Des Moines. He and I together formed the Des Moines Film Society and then he ended up meeting a woman and moving out to New York. What is the main focus of the Des Moines Film Society? As we looked around, we saw all these really vibrant organizations. The Music Coalition focused on the music scene. The various arts organizations focused on the fine arts. But there was nothing specific to film, and to us, that's really kind of a need here. The more I investigated it, the more I realized we needed an organization here that had a mission to grow the film culture. The two things we targeted specifically were a full-time venue, a cinema, and a festival. Ultimately, we would like to have a weekend festival, a curated festival bringing in really high-quality films from all around the world with filmmakers in person. Really make it a very big kind of centerpiece event. Talk a little bit about the decision to buy the Varsity Theater. I have to say trying to make this happen was almost a no-brainer. We knew that we wanted to operate a full-time cinema venue in Des Moines. People had approached us with possibilities in the past, but it didn't quite seem to be the right fit. The Varsity was different. For one thing, what the Varsity had been doing for decades lines up so perfectly with what our mission is in terms of programming, which is just to grow the film culture in Des Moines, bringing interesting films to Des Moines and give people a chance to see films that they might not have otherwise seen. Now the Varsity isn't operating anymore, it made sense to pursue buying it. While our mission is not explicitly historic preservation, it is a passion of my wife and I. When we lived in Los Angeles, we were both volunteers with an organization called the Los Angeles Conservancy and we worked with the Historic Theaters Committee. They worked to preserve some of the historic cinemas in Los Angeles. They hosted some amazing events in some of the spaces. We saw how great it was to keep these venues and how excited people got when they went into these beautiful venues. To come back to the varsity to fulfill all these things for our organization and to preserve this historic building, particularly in Des Moines, where it's the last historic operating theater, it dovetails with what we are looking for. What are the next steps? The biggest next next step for us is fundraising. We've been reaching out to donors and partners. We had originally hoped to launch a big campaign early this summer, but with the whole COVID-19 thing, we've put a little bit of a pause in that process. We expect later this year to launch a more public-facing fundraising campaign for us. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what your favorite film is. I love so many different kinds of films, but I have to say The Apartment that Billy Wilder wrote. Wilder is such a spectacular screenwriter and that film I mean the pieces move like a really fine watch. What piqued your interest in screenwriting and films? I've always been moved by movies and film and theater and storytelling in general. In college I was primarily an actor. I acted in a lot of plays at Iowa State. When I was at Iowa State I started drifting into writing. I started working at the newspaper. I was in a sketch comedy group. So I was just performing and writing the sketches. I wrote a short play, and it got produced. Somewhere in there, I just found that I enjoyed kind of creating the story, even more than I enjoyed acting it out. So I gravitated that way. Talk about something you've recently produced. Talk about something you've recently produced. I made a documentary last year called Birth of the Hawk. It was a documentary about the origins of the Cy Hawk trophy that goes back and forth between Iowa and Iowa State. We premiered that during the week of the game last year and did a little tour around some of the cinemas in Iowa. We're hoping to have it on IPTV sometime this year but with everything that's going on I'm not sure whether that will happen. Looking forward, have you thought about the first film you want to show when the Varsity Cinema opens? We've looked at that a little bit. I looked at the first films that played there back in 1938, and they weren't particularly good. In the early days of the varsity, they were almost like the second-run or B-type films, so I'm not sure what we'd show. That would be a good conversation for us to have. Tribute to Frontline Workers. As nominated by colleagues and peers, the essential workforce is full of dedication and resolve. Agriculture and Environment. The Iowa Egg Farmers. This submission was written on behalf of the industry as a whole. The, nomination, the nominator wrote, egg farm workers ensure the hens are cared for, fed, watered, and health is monitored. They work to ensure eggs are collected, cleaned, packaged, and delivered each day so consumers can enjoy eggs each and every day. Egg farm workers dedicate countless hours to provide a wholesome and nutritious product to consumers. Iowa egg farmers employ approximately 2,400 workers, producing about 16 billion eggs each year, having more than 2.6 billion in total economic effect on the Iowa economy. Egg farmers are also giving back to their communities and across the state. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, egg farmers were donating 35,000 dozen eggs per month to food banks and pantries across Iowa, and since the start of the pandemic, donations have exceeded 45,000 dozen each month to those in need. Des Moines Water Works This nomination was on behalf of the entire staff at the Des Moines Water Works. The nominator wrote, Des Moines Waterworks was one of the first water utilities in America to begin sequestering critical staff at its water treatment plant as part of the response plan to the COVID-19 pandemic to ensure a continuous supply of safe and reliable water to serve 500,000 Central Iowa customers. Beginning in late March, Des Moines Water Works sequestered employees at each of our three water treatment plants for two weeks at a time. The critical staff included operations, maintenance, repair, controls, supervision, and regulatory compliance employees. The time spent sequestering employees allowed staff to work through logistics to reopen the water treatment plant and keep various teams separated, especially the plant operators. Other staff who were not sequestered were relocated to adhere to social distance guidelines and began working in non-traditional work areas. Customer service continued to serve customers including working with customers on pay arrangements due to financial hardships. Field crews continued maintaining and repairing the infrastructure that supports the water system including responding to main breaks, and planned improvement projects, the availability of the safe water supply is critically important to the public health of our community. Water supports healthcare professionals and many essential businesses during the pandemic, and proper hand washing is, a, is an important step in curbing community spread of diseases and viruses. Healthcare and assisted living, Mercy One. Several Mercy One staff members were nominated. These are excerpts about each. At Mercy One Central Iowa, Chief of Informatics Dr. Joel Ward led the creation of virtual care platforms, which allowed telehealth care rounding within Mercy One Des Moines and West Des Moines Medical Centers for COVID 19 patients. Dr. Ward also helped establish telehealth for virtual patient appointments. With physicians at Mercy One Medical Group, Central Iowa Clinics. During the COVID 19 pandemic, patients were able to receive care without leaving home. Time was of the essence as Dr. Ward and a team of clinical and information technology colleagues put the hospital system together. In early March, work was started. The system was operational in eight days. Dr. Ward used his specialized information technology and clinical experience to establish virtual, rounding capability in critical care units established to treat COVID-19 patients. Critical care medicine has always been Julie Tools, T-U-E-L-S, passion. From nurse to unit director to market director of critical care units at Mercy One, Des Moines and West Des Moines Medical Centers and Mercy One's Children Hospital, Julie knows what it takes to provide patients with an opportunity to recover. As a member of nursing leadership, Julie and her colleagues studied and reviewed options in case Mercy One Des Moines and West Des Moines saw significant volume of patients. She also prepared her nurses and colleagues for the care that was ahead. For initial staffing, Julie asked for nurses and staff to volunteer to work 12 hour shifts, dressed in full PPE designed to protect them as frontline care workers. The work could be intense and patient outcomes would be uncertain. 50 clinical colleagues stepped up to the challenge. Nursing leaders weren't surprised by the staffing response. They shared that Julie creates an environment of support and perseverance for her critical care delivery teams. When the first cases appeared in Iowa, Julie led Mercy One colleagues in converting the designated care space. In 24 hours, the main surgery recovery unit was converted into a functioning intensive care. This provided ample space, which allowed the providing of innovative care, including the delivery of convalescent blood plasma therapy. Meanwhile, designated neuro and trauma intensive care unit beds remained available and were used for other patients who needed them. If the need for additional COVID-19 care arose, Julie and her colleagues had identified additional space. The intensive care and flex unit of Mercy One's Children's Hospital was prepared in advance with beds and technology. Those beds have been needed for COVID 19 care. Children who required hospitalization did not lose access to pediatric or critical care beds elsewhere in the Children's Hospital. Sam Ayers is a longtime member of the Mercy One Central Iowa family. Following years of leadership at Mercy One Iowa Heart Center, Sam now Sam now serves as the Mercy One Medical Group Central Iowa's Vice President of Operation. Sam has led Mercy One's Medical Group Central Iowa's efforts to develop best practices for prevention of COVID nineteen exposure. Is a clinic setting in a clinic setting. Sam was instrumental in assessing the risk of COVID nineteen exposure and reducing that potential through testing. He met daily with hospital and medical group leaders to maintain. Safe standards for patients and staff. Sam proactively led an initiative to direct our Mercy One patients to a dedicated Mercy One Des Moines based COVID 19 testing location. Locating fever and upper respiratory infection, the FURI clinic in our East Village clinic location provided a dedicated site to route our parents' patients showing COVID 19 symptoms. The expanded presence of COVID-19 in central Iowa led to pop-up testing initiatives like composite wind blade manufacturer TPI Composites Inc. in Newton offering COVID-19 testing for all of their employees. SAM organized testing site logistics, assured proper, proper staffing, implemented safety procedures, and obtained testing materials. In two days, 892 employees were tested providing employees with some peace of mind. In an effort to further enhance COVID-19 testing, Sam played an active role in, in work with Cortiva AgriScience to develop a testing process that would provide more rapid results. Dr. Anissa Afroz serves Mercy One Des Moines and Me- Mercy One West Des Moines Medical Centers as chief of staff for physicians. As an epidemiologist, Dr froze helps lead the clinical care of Central Iowans during the COVID-19 pandemic. Her knowledge of research studies underway or being considered has led to Mercy One Des Moines and West Des Moines being involved in national research trials. This has led to the development of dynamic care processes including the use of existing medications or evolving care processes to provide relief or an opportunity for recovery for COVID-19. Dr. Afroz leads Mercy One Des Moines and Mercy One West Des Moines involvement in the Mayo Clinic Experimental Convalescent Blood Plasma Program. In collaboration with LifeServe Blood Center, donated blood plasma plasma containing antibodies from COVID-19 patients who have recovered is transfused into select patients. Some patients have experienced an improvement in their COVID-19 symptoms. Dr. Afroz has been instrumental in acquiring access to the limited supply of the drug remdesivir. The medication is being studied in Iowa and internationally for COVID-19 care. Early results have included reduced lengths of hospitalization for some COVID-19 patients. Dr. Afroz recently developed clinical guidelines for the use of rheumatoid arthritis medications, known as IL-6 inhibitors, in COVID-19 care. IL-6 inhibitors are used to reduce inflammation in the body for arthritis patients. Inflammation has also appeared with some co- cases of COVID-19. The medication is being trialed to see if it can provide inflammation relief for COVID-19 patients. Dr. Ravi Vemura serves Des Moines, Mercy One Des Moines and Mercy One West Des Moines as the Chief Infection Prevention Officer. In this role Dr. Vermura is continually monitoring current and emerging diseases to develop care processes and plans to allow Mercy One to provide safe quality care. Dr. Vermura has been studying and monitoring the novel coronavirus before it appeared in the United States. With its arrival in Iowa, Mercy One, Des Moines, and West Des Moines were prepared for the challenges ahead. Dr. Vermura Determines the most effective use of personal protective equipment and development of isolation precautions and protocols to provide the best protection for colleagues and patients receiving care. As an epidemiologist, Dr. Vermura uses data and his professional experience at Mercy One, gained by managing local preparations and protocols to be deployed against the Ebola virus several years earlier, to develop recommendations for efficient. And effective management of COVID-19 patients. Dr. Vermura works co- collaboratively with both outpatient and inpatient care teams to address questions and concerns 24-7. You can also find Dr. Vermura at the bedside consulting and providing care. During this pandemic, when he is not at the hospital, he is involved in efforts to educate people about ways to reduce their risk of contracting the virus. Dr. Vermura has been involved in town hall meetings, podcasts, and local news stories to share information. Calvin Community Utoto Nyan Singazawa is a certified nursing assistant at the Calvin Community. Her nominator wrote, I'm going to call her Nyan for short, Nyan is an outstanding example of how essential a CNA is to health care and the people they serve. Butoto not only provides care to her residents, but she cares about them. The joy she brings with her to work every day is felt by all. COVID-19 has been especially challenging for long-term care. Butoto has stepped up to that challenge. She has picked up extra shifts, worked longer hours and faced the possibility of being exposed to COVID-19, all while maintaining the same dedication and joy that she has in the past. Butoto came to the United States in 2016. She was born in the Congo in Central Africa. Butoto and her family were later living in a refugee camp in Rwanda. They were chosen from the camp for an interview to come to the United States. They were accepted and a new journey began. They first lived in Buffalo, New York and from there she lived in Maine, Seattle and then Iowa in 2018. Butoto went to Job Corps through high school for high school and also received training to become a certified nursing assistant. Calvin Community is her first job as a CNA and she has been a devoted employee ever since. She is a self-motivated worker and essential to our team. ChildServe. Megan Nukolish and Marie Porter supervise the care, staffing, and business aspects in ChildServe's in inpatient programs, the nominator wrote. They continued, Megan and Marie Provided oversight of clinical operations for nearly 200 staff members and over 60 fragile children during a worldwide pandemic with extreme success. Over the last few months, Marie and Megan have excelled. What we have seen during the COVID-19 pandemic in health care and specific and long-term care is tragic. Megan and Marie have led the charge to keep child child serves inpatient units as the outlier, making us one of a select few organizations who have maintained not only the health of the people served, but also the morale and engagement of the team. Their creative ways of keeping the focus on the children and staff through massive and constant change have been remarkable. Programs have been implemented that focus on the personal lives of our team members, including what they love outside of work, as well as as what they love about working at. Things as subtle as daily sunshine announcements or music in the halls, to organizationally strategic transitions such as developing a separate pediatric long-term care setting in an unused space in our facility so that more of the children we serve could have private rooms to mitigate the risk of the spread of COVID-19. All of this is a direct result of Megan and Marie's creativity and dedication. Megan and Marie have the uncanny ability to meld superior management skills, creativity, and the relentless pursuit. Of clinical excellence to produce what we see today high engagement, superior clinical outcomes, and turnover that is nearly non existent. You are listening to the business record for July 3rd on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Every Step Becky Borgman is a Nurse Family Partnership registered nurse at Every Step. The nominator wrote in her nurse role Becky provides vital education and support. To new and expectant mothers, served by every step, a task made even more critical during this time of unpredictability for new parents. When the COVID-19 pandemic began, Becky knew she wanted to conserve, continue serving her clients any way she could. The Nurse Family Partnership program, like many programs at every step, had to adapt many of its supportive services to clients via virtual formats, such as Microsoft Teams. Because it's such an unsure time for a lot of people, Becky and her fellow nurses are hoping to be a beacon of stability for clients. Becky says she's noticed that with the situation surrounding COVID-19, many moms may not be receiving the education they normally would at their regular doctor appointments. Recently Becky helped a young mom with a live-in family member who was diagnosed with COVID-19. The family immediately went into quarantine, but they were unprepared for the situation. She said they didn't have enough food or diapers. Becky recalls we were able to reach out to community resources and every but, and every step's stork nest for those needs. The ability to educate and empower new and expecting moms has been a highlight for Becky. She's a big believer in knowledge is power and in giving moms educational tools to use and learn to advocate for themselves. She is also helping them grow in their self confidence. Primary health care. Katie Meyer is a physician assistant at Primary Health Care. The nominator wrote, Katie provides general medical care for patients of all ages. PHC cares for the underserved and vulnerable people living in our community. As the pandemic progressed, it became clear that we needed to take special infection control precautions to keep our staff and patients safe. We quickly stood up a a drive-through respiratory clinic where we directed patients with respiratory symptoms. This allowed us to provide an access, an assessment of potential COVID-19 patients, test them if they met criteria, and help alleviate some of the risk and concern of these patients infecting others. Katie took the lead at the respiratory unit and has been staffing it for the last 10 weeks. She has worked in the cold wind, rained, and now even the heat in full PPE. She has exemplified our values of providing access, respect, and excellence to our patients and community. Katie is married with young children. We know that working in healthcare care during a pandemic has been stressful, both personally and professionally. We are deeply appreciative of her dedication and resolve. MediCap Pharmacy Jerome Buckstein is a MediCap Pharmacy pharmacist serving the community of Grimes. The the pharmacy provides delivery to those in the city and surrounding communities such as Polk City and Granger. The nominator wrote, Jerome and his staff remained open during the pandemic to serve patients. Although an open front door wasn't an option, patients were able to utilize the drive-through and curbside for service. MediCap has always offered free delivery, but having it available during this time was even more valuable. Thanks to the partnership, of VW of Des Moines, they provided a sanitized delivery car to the pharmacy so patients could continue to have their medications delivered to their homes. He is committed to his patients and their health. At the time of crisis, patients still had Jerome and his staff to rely on and help offer medication advice and just to know they will always be there. The donation of delivery cars by VW of Des Moines was also a gift to the Beaverdale MediCap as well as the Altoona MediCap. Deerfield Retirement Community This nomination was written on behalf of the entire staff. The nominator wrote, These people take care of the many seniors who live in the advanced care facilities Deerfield Community. They define caregivers. They show up every shift 24-7 and give special attention to those seniors whose families are unable to visit them. They do it with smiles and joy in their service. Heroes. All of them. Home Tensions. Lee Welch is a mental health caseworker at Home Intentions. The nominator wrote, Lee Welch is a hero traveling around the city helping individuals who suffer from mental illness. He takes them for appointments, to apply for services, and checks on their safety and well-being. Lee Welch is an amazing human being with a deep sense of dedication to those suffering from mental illness. He has a tough job and does it with a smile on his face. On With Life. Shauna Swain is a physician's assistant at On With Life. The nominator wrote, "Shauna has been an influential force within the inpatient department since joining On With Life more than a year ago and even more so during the COVID-19 pandemic. On With Life experienced a COVID-19 outbreak in its outpatient facility from early April through mid-May and the positive outcomes we saw were in large part due to the guidance and expertise Shauna provided during the period. During the outbreak, Shauna worked tirelessly with persons served, family, and staff to contain the virus, eliminate its spread, and provide outstanding medical care to persons served. Despite the stress inherent in the situation, Shauna's poise and professionalism were a calming influence for those around her and provided a sense of security within the uncertainty of the outbreak. Shauna worked, worked on the front lines of the outbreak night and day to ensure the best possible outcomes for our person served. She is one of the many frontline heroes who goes above and beyond to care for On With Life's people despite the inherent risks. On With Life was among the first long-term facilities to experience an outbreak and was the first long-term facility to recover. Our organization was an inspiration to others going through the pandemic as they reached out to learn from us and our frontline staff like Shauna. Nucara Pharmacy. Robbie Schwinker is the pharmacist in charge of the Coralville Nucara Pharmacy. The nominator wrote During COVID 19, Robbie worked with his staff to continue to coordinate prescriptions and services to patients. Despite the pharmacy doors being closed, the staff offered convenient curbside delivery, free mail-outs, and delivery to the area to ensure patients still receive their medications. In addition to serving his patients, Robbie took the task of carrying further into the community by launching Mask of Wellness, a positive, empowering approach that promotes responsible behavior that is necessary to keep society open during this pandemic while benefiting wellness. Unity Point Health Des Moines. Julie Jackson, the Respiratory Care Services Manager, and Unity Point Health Des Moines Respiratory Therapists were jointly nominated. The nominator wrote Respiratory therapists are responsible for the management and care of patients with cardiopulmonary diseases, i.e., COPD, asthma, adult respiratory distress syndrome, chronic heart failure, heart disease, influenza, COVID 19, chest trauma rib fractures, etc. This management includes providing care to people that range from premature babies to adults. They are often needing medications and airway clearance to help facilitate keeping their lungs healthy. Respiratory therapists are responsible for managing patients on ventilators and oxygen support devices. As the manager for respiratory care and extracorporeal life support systems at Unity Health, Des Moines, Julie is responsible for providing the tools and resources needed for our teams to provide excellent care to people that need our services. As a leader, Julie works hard to create a multidisciplinary team approach to caring for the people we serve. Respiratory therapists have been an integral part of the multidisciplinary team, especially with COVID-19 disease. They are working very hard to keep patients off the ventilator by using a, a nasal high flow system, for people that end up on the ventilator, the respiratory therapist is the one who will help manage the ventilators. Respiratory therapists are unsung heroes of medicine. Most people don't even know that our profession exists, but with our res- without respiratory therapists managing the needs of people with cardiopulmonary disease on complex therapies and equipment, more people would likely not be able to survive. They have been the heroes of COVID 19. Showing up for our patients, and guiding them through COVID-19 is a promise we will continue to make. Mill Ponds Senior Living. Monica Simpson is the charge nurse at Mill Ponds Senior Living. The nominator wrote, care providers are required 24 hours a day to oversee care, medications, rehabilitation, and personal needs of residents and patients. Monica and her team work tirelessly to serve their patients throughout their isolation. The community is known for its strong infection control. Manufacturing and Skilled Trades Um, Sementech Tyler Iverson, a service technician at Sementech, traveled into multiple areas of the country, many deemed hot spots, to serve customers that were providing essential services. The nominator wrote, many of Sementech's customers were deemed essential throughout the country. With our equipment integral to infrastructure projects and road repairs, it became a a necessity that Sementech could still travel to customer locations and train them on their new equipment. He is a former paramedic and knows the ins and outs of personal protection. That history provided him with a stable approach, while many in the country were fear-stricken over the pandemic. Alliant Energy Mark Ott is a gas mechanic for Alliant Energy out of Carroll, Iowa operating center. The nominator wrote, he performs necessary maintenance and repairs to keep the gas flowing for our IO customers. Like all of our gas mechanics, he he also responds to calls for gas leaks and other gas emergencies. To trace gas leaks, that means going into homes with equipment that can detect leaks. We add safety precautions to protect our customers and co-workers so we can safely do this work during the pandemic. Mark was one of our first field employees to encounter a situation with a customer who was suspected of having COVID-19. In early April, he responded to a gas leak call at an apartment building. He was informed prior to arriving that the customer was ill. They had taken a COVID test, but did not yet have the results. Mark donned his protective equipment, had the customer wait outside and went to work. He eventually found a leaking gas meter and fixed it. When we asked Mark to share a personal message to all Alliant Energy employees facing a constantly changing normal, he passed along this comment, my coworkers must stay focused, work safe, and stay healthy. Another nominator wrote that Alliant Energy partnered with Iowa State University, the dimensional group in Mason City, and Angstrom Precision Molding in Ottumwa, to distribute face shields to hospitals and long-term care facilities in Iowa. Kemmon Industries. Dionne Manuel is the operation safety training coordinator at Kemmon Industries North America operations headquartered in Des Moines. The nominator wrote working in the Kemen production facilities during COVID-19 Dion had a vital role in helping to ensure the health and safety of the Kemen team members responsible for manufacturing ingredients. He helped implement additional safety protocols and processes, including split shifts, schedules, appropriate social distancing of team members, and proper use of personal protective equipment to keep the essential teams safe. With ION's efforts, along with others in the facilities, Kimmon was able to continue to operate without interruption during the peak of the pandemic. Later this year, right before COVID-19 impacted the United States, Dion took the initiative to launch a weekly safety email for Des Moines operations employees. Combined with his rapport with the team and his dedication to ensuring a safe work environment, Dion's weekly emails quickly attracted a large readership. His can-do attitude and positivity were evident in his communications. For example, to promote the use of hand washing to prevent illness, Rather than sharing a typical safety video, he made a short video of his two-year-old daughter correctly washing her hands for the duration of singing a song with her mother. The video was so so well-received and engaging, we added it to the Kevin Facebook page, where it garnered more than 1,100 viewers. Dion helped with communication strategies to make sure information was available to operations employees, which is especially important during the ever-evolving pandemic. He continually monitored the well-being of his team to ensure they were protected while working during the unprecedented time. While many Chemin employees want to do their part in mitigating risks that could impact the health and safety of our teams and products, Dion continues to serve as a positive example of going above and beyond. Outside of work, Dion cares deeply for his community and is involved in various efforts to better the lives of many. When recognizing that many people were faced with food insecurity due to the pandemic on March 26, Dion and his family organized and fundraised to provide a free drive through lunch in downtown Des Moines. His family cooked and prepared all of the food, resulting in 1,700 sandwiches served in one day. His goal was 2,000 sandwiches, and when asked about the event, he humbly stated, We ended up only giving out 1,700 sandwiches. The sandwiches were free and delivered to patrons' cars by him and his family, who were all wearing PPE to make sure they were protecting patrons. Nonprofits and government services. The Iowa National Guard. Stephanie Saminus, the Task Force West commander at Iowa Air National Guard, played a key role in operations in western Iowa and led Army soldiers and airmen who supported the test Iowa site set up and delivery of supplies for COVID-19 response. Her nominator wrote, they continued, she was the person on the front of an operation to bring Iowa through the pandemic in a safe and dependable way. Her leadership style made the operation run smoothly and Iowans in and out of uniform were safe on her watch. She worked with medical centers to track hospitals needs in the region so she could transport supplies to those in need with the use of the Iowa National Guard. Salmonis is the vice commander at the Air Force Base in Sioux City and a mother of two. She was deployed to Puerto Rico last spring with the medical team to train and provide care to those affected by the hurricane. It was great training for the pandemic, her nominator wrote. Easter Seals, Iowa. Rachel Boothroyd. <clears throat> is an active support professional at Easter Seals, Iowa, which supports individuals living with disabilities who often have barriers to independence. Her nominator wrote, Rachel is on the front lines of this pandemic, supporting our clients to stay healthy and safe. She has sat outside in the rain talking to a client through a window who is needing emotional support. She was supported by a client with a wellness goal by doing an outdoor tai chi class when the gyms were closed. And she has supported clients to get out of the home safely by picking up to-go food orders and finding a place to eat outside. All of this has supported our clients to not only stay safe from the pandemic but also maintain a positive mental health. One client's sister wrote, as you know, Rachel has worked with my brother for a while. She is absolutely fantastic. Very kind, responsible, and means the world to my brother. It's very difficult living far from my brother, but people like Rachel help more than they realize. During these difficult times, it's especially difficult for my brother. I wanted to say thank you to Rachel and Easter Seals for the great work you do and being a, and being a positive influence on so many lives. United Ways 211 Team, Melissa McCoy is the 211 director. The nominator wrote. 211 is one of United Way of Central Iowa's vital services, allowing anyone to call call in 24/7 for finding for finding human services like food, shelter, legal support and more. As director, Melissa not only hires and manages her team of operators and staff, she also promotes the state the service statewide and leads a national and and regional group of 211 directors and ensures our service is always up and running for for anyone to access. Melissa has been with 211 for more than a decade and has grown the service significantly in recent years. She has shown incredible dedication through her career, but recently when the Iowa Department of Public Health enlisted 211 to be the COVID-19 hotline statewide, Melissa pulled off an incredible feat leading the upscaling of our capabilities, technology, and team to handle a massive increase in calls within a 12-hour turnaround. Throughout the pandemic, she has been tirelessly dedicated, working long hours and carefully caring for her amazing team. Oak Ridge Neighborhood Almardi Abdallah is an Oak Ridge Neighborhood Director of Adult and Family Programs. The nominator wrote, Almardi leads the Transitions Adult and Family Programs at Oak Ridge Neighborhood, which are designed to assist immigrants, refugees, and other hard-to-place clients in transitioning to Metro living and addressing the barriers required to to secure and sustain employment, paying a living wage. Oak Ridge Neighborhood has a poverty level exceeding 95%, and many of the residents were particularly impacted by COVID-19. Over forty percent of Oak Ridge's residents were recently unemployed, adding an extra, extra burden to families who are already experiencing financial strain. Almardi's role serving servicing their needs is absolutely essential. Throughout the pandemic, Oak Ridge remained open, serving as a center for hope for residents and clients who utilize the services. Almardi led his team to pivot to serve at frontline as frontline case managers translating important COVID-19 information for families and helping families navigate the new unemployment and job search frontiers. He brought on additional multilingual employees to serve targeted populations. He established new partnerships with employers and agencies to bring new opportunities to clients. Progress Industries Three Progress Industry staff members were nominated. These are excerpts about each. Candy Ruan s- teaches and supports individuals with disabilities to live independently in their own homes. Candy is an overnight staff for PI's 24 hour residential services in Des Moines. Candy provides necessary supports for five individuals during the overnight hours to ensure their overall safety. Candy worked as a live in staff during COVID 19. She worked 24 hours a day, one week on one week off for 10 weeks. Candy agreed to the live-in schedule at the site that was not her regular work location. Candy dedicated herself to this schedule to mitigate the spread of COVID for these, patient, pay, for these residents. Candy's primary role was an overnight staff prior to the live-in position. During the live-in schedule, Candy served as overnight and direct support staff for the individuals. Candy applied her knowledge and skills in positive behavior supports, motivational interviewing, and skill building to build on the strengths and skills of each individual to help them move forward with their goals. Candy helped improve communication among the residents, learn new things about each other, and recognize the value of their friendships. Brandy Lehman works as an overnight staff in PI's daily services program. The people she supports receive 24-hour-a-day staffing. Progress Industries approached Brandy for a 30-day live-in work schedule to help minimize the risk of exposure to COVID. Five people live in the same home and are considered high risk. Brandy very quickly agreed to do the live-in arrangement, recognizing the vulnerability of the five individuals. Brandy is an amazing staff member that not only fulfilled her overnight staff role during the 30-day live-in schedule, she fulfilled the role as direct support staff. Brandy was the only staff on duty during the live-in and completed all of the personal cares, cooking, and other support necessary for the five individuals. Brandy did an amazing job of meeting the emotional needs of the person served and helping them to build stronger bonds with each other. Our agency approached Lee Taylor about working as a live-in in in a location with high risk for COVID. Lee chose to work the live-in for that site. He did an amazing job as a direct support professional. That lived in the site and worked 24 7 for almost six weeks with no other staff balance autism several balance autism staff members were nominated here are ex- excerpts about each esther hercula is an autism associate the nominator wrote we've been fortunate to just have one individual served test positive for COVID-19, but Esther was one of just a couple of staff members that volunteered to remain in quarantine for two full weeks so that there was no risk of spreading it further and ensuring there was no interruption of services. Other members for Balance Autism that provided outstanding service are Sarah Huey, Brian Hart, Shannon Post, David Smith, Susan Kiprop, Stella Osmond, and James Lewis. And that does it for today's reading of the business record for July 3rd. I'm your reader, Al Burns. You can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org, anytime. Thanks for listening.
1: Economic Geology, this is EarthDate. Shortly after modern humans arrived in Europe, the Neanderthals disappeared, and scientists think we had something to do with it. Neanderthals, or their direct ancestors, migrated out of Africa and into the Middle East and Europe around 250,000 years ago. Soon, they were well adapted to the environment. Large eyes helped them see in the longer nights and darker winters, Stout bodies helped them retain heat and handle large prey and provided space for the large liver and kidneys needed for a diet heavy in protein. Their brains were as big as ours, but spent processing power on their greater visual and motor abilities. This may not have allowed them to develop higher communication or conceptual thinking to match ours, which may have been their downfall. Modern humans arrived on the scene 45,000 years ago, less physically adapted, but more mentally adaptable. We had cooperative hunting methods superior to the Neanderthals, allowing us to outcompete them for food and perhaps reducing the large herbivore populations that they depended on. We also had superior tools and weapons. When there were conflicts between the groups, as there have been among tribes throughout history, our superior technology probably allowed us to prevail. But we weren't only fighting. There must have been considerable interbreeding since we can find one to three percent of the Neanderthal genome in modern man which means the Neanderthals never completely disappeared. A little bit of them is alive in us today. I'm Scott Tinker. EarthDate is produced by the Bureau of Economic Geology at the University of Texas at Austin, with support from Schlumberger, helping oil and gas companies increase production and efficiency while lowering environmental impact. You can hear more EarthDate stories at earthdate.org.